Thank you, congregation, for joining in. If you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. I'm going to give you just a minute to get to your seats and get the Bible out. Turn to Luke chapter 19, if you will. I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read a few passages here, not very many, but um, verse 1 down through verse 10, I believe. Praise you, Jesus. God is so near today. I started a series two weeks ago, um, I guess just for, for lack of a better title, we'll call it Like, and, and we, we, we're going to talk today about determined like Zacchaeus. Um, we, we've talked about, um, we're going to talk about still Ruth and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Jesus, but we have we have already talked about. Let me get back to my notes. We've already talked about, um, and I'm going blank, so I'm having to pull my notes up. We've already talked about uh, the ten lepers, thankful like the ten lepers, and we've already talked about um, being vexed like righteous Lot. Um, so. Let's, let's get into the word today, and we're talking about Zacchaeus, and I want us to, to consider Zacchaeus. I want, us to be, I want us to consider being determined like Zacchaeus. I've, I've heard this preached a lot of times, but never about his determination. And how many of you know he was very, ter- he was very determined to get to Jesus? And, um, and that's what I want to talk about today, and I probably won't preach very long, but... Uh, I want to share these things with you. How many of you know that in the day we live in, it requires determination? Amen. It requires determination. Luke chapter 10, uh, 19, verses 1 through 10, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. I want you to notice where this happened. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, to see who Jesus was, but could not for the crowd. For he was of short stature. Remember that Sunday school song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Amen. Y'all remember it. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. This is probably a sycamore fig, actually, to see him. And he was going to pass that... For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, come... Uh, make haste and come down. Today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, who saw it? They, those who were standing around. They all complained, and this probably included Pharisees, they all complained saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, or he said, I'm sorry, look, yes, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And I have taken, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Heavenly Father, I ask you for the anointing upon your word. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be determined, Lord, to, to, to glimpse upon you. And God, if we will be determined to see you, we will also encounter you. 
We know that. And Father, we, we ask you that not one of us, Lord, would settle for being lost in the crowd or being pushed to the side, but God, that we would for ourselves glimpse your holiness and your goodness. And God, we thank you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus, the name above every name. You may be seated. All right. Let me, let me just cover a few of these points, and, and I want us to consider what's being said here. Jesus entered, and he passed through Jericho. Now, in, in the Bible, Jericho, um, actually Old and New Testament, Jericho was a very, um, it was a very prominent stronghold in the Old Testament, and it seems to have also developed into, in the New Testament, it developed into a prominent place of strongholds. I, I want to share that with you for just a minute, and I want us to consider that. As the children of Israel came into the promised land, the, the first big city that they faced was Jericho, if I'm not mistaken. I think they faced another small city before that, but they faced Jericho. You remember that Jericho was surrounded by walls, and the, the walls were so large that they could, they could ride chariots around, uh, and, and from what I understand from history, they could pass chariots on the top of the walls of Jericho, and it stood, they stood very high, exceedingly high, and th this seemed like an, an, an immovable hindrance to the people of God. It seemed like there was no way that they could get through, but we see that the Lord gave wisdom to Joshua, and he told Joshua to, to march around the walls one time for seven days, each day, one time. And then on the seventh day, to march around seven times and, and then to shout. And the, the word tells us that as they shouted, the walls fell flat. Now they have found, archaeology has found, that these walls didn't fall flat. This way they fell straight down. Unbelievable. Unbelievable move of God. Unbelievable in the natural, but very believable if we tap into our faith. And so we see that Jericho was a stronghold. Jericho was a, was a, a, a powerhouse of a, of a city that they had come in contact with. And these are former slaves. These are people who have not really fought in battle. These people don't really know how to, how to organize themselves and to be the, the army that they, that they might want to be because they have come out of slavery. And not only have they just come out of slavery, but they also have been walking around in the wilderness for a bunch of years and they probably feel rather discouraged, although God had provided for them in such an amazing way. They, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They had food every day that God supplied them with. But they come to this city. They come to this place, and it is a stronghold. Now, when we get into the New Testament, we see some strongholds in other ways. And, and we'll, we'll just, let me give you one example. One example is blind Bartimaeus. And he was, he was near, Jeru near Jericho. When Jesus came that way, he, he stood afar off and he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This, this blindness that he suffered with was, was natural. It wasn't spiritual because he saw Jesus for who he was. He saw Jesus when he, when he declared Jesus, son of David, he was calling him Messiah. This was a term, a messianic term for Jesus. So it wasn't a spiritual blindness, but it was a physical blindness. And there was no help, no hope for him until Jesus passed that by that way. And he cried out for help, and that stronghold also fell. So Jericho, very often in the word of God, 
seems to indicate a stronghold. I want us to see what's being said here. Jesus entered and passed through. I want you to just get that for a minute. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, I want us to get that, and I'm going to take a little longer here than I expected to, but when Jesus comes in contact with whatever stronghold has you bound, when Jesus comes in contact with your Jericho, I want us to understand that when he comes through it, he enters it, and he passes right on through it. The walls can't stop him. The the blindness can't stop him. The fear can't stop him. Nothing can stop Jesus. He will pass. Enter it, and he will pass on through it. And that's exactly what he did here. And it said, now behold, there was a man, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Won't spend long on this. We know that he was a tax collector. Tax collectors were, were openly and, and notoriously crooked. They would take more than what the government required and they would keep it for themselves. That's why this says, and he was rich. We see that he was no different than so many other tax collectors. They had a bad name for a reason. Not just, not just the IRS, like sometimes we don't like the IRS. This was much more. This was like the mafia. This, they, would, they would require safety money. They would want whatever you had and they had the right to take it according to the law. Even though They were crooked. And we see here that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, not just some little run-of-the-mill tax collector. He was over others. So he probably not only collected money himself, but he also had others who went out and collected taxes, and they brought him a portion of, of what they had collected, and he kept it and then turned in all of the taxes for the government. So... They, 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 they struggled with him. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. I want you to understand that. They didn't care for him. That's why I later hear the, the, those, they who are around, call him a sinner. He was a notorious thief. It says, and he, talking about Zacchaeus, sought to see Jesus, who he was, but he could not because of the crowd. This is the first hindrance that I want you to see. He could not because of the crowd and for he was short of stature. I think this is a second hindrance. Although they worked together, this was a second hindrance. And I'll tell you why in a few moments. And he ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree. For he, speaking of Jesus, was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus sought to see, I'll come back to the scripture in a minute, but Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was and he could not because of the crowd. There is always an exterior or a cultural hindrance. This was an outside stronghold. There there will always be people that will tell you, you can't do that. Jesus calls upon you, the Lord calls you to, to go into ministry, and they'll say, you can't do that. Your history's too bad. You can't do that because you, you just don't have the voice for it. You can't do that because you have, you have done this or you have done that or you are not strong enough or you're not young enough or you're, you're not trained enough. You don't know the word enough. You're, you're a novice. You're, you're whatever. They will always, there will always be somebody telling you you can't do what God has called you to do. There will always be somebody telling you you can't get in contact with God that way. You can't see visions. You can't dream dreams. You can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
But I want us to understand those things that are coming from the outside that are trying to hinder us, they can be overcome if we will be determined like Zacchaeus and run toward Jesus. This was his first stronghold, his first hindrance. He was, he was hindered culturally. He was hindered externally. But Zacchaeus was genuinely looking for an encounter with Jesus and he couldn't be stopped by the difficulty. How many of you right now can say, I am genuinely searching for more of Jesus? Come on, be honest. If you're not, you can put your hand down. But if you are, I really, I genuinely want more of God. I believe you when you raise your hand. I believe that. And he couldn't be stopped. He was genuinely looking for an encounter. I've quoted it before, but let me read it to you. Jeremiah 29 13 and 14 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. Consider that as the stronghold that's holding you back. I will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have driven you. How many of you know the Lord lets you go into captivity sometimes? Sometimes he does it because we're so headstrong that we're going there. And he just says, okay, go ahead. And you'll get in trouble and you'll holler for me. Come on now. And he says, I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. I want you to see what the Lord says here. He says, you will seek for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart in verse 13. This is exactly what Zacchaeus was doing. He was genuinely looking for Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see what Jesus was about. I can imagine that he had already heard about Jesus. Probably most everybody in the in the region had. Jesus, this man who heals the blind. Jesus, this man who who cleanses the leper, as we talked about last week. Jesus, this man who calms the sea. Jesus, this man who, who can outwit the smartest of our scribes and Pharisees. I want you to understand, they had heard of him, but some of them had not pursued looking upon him, but Zacchaeus was determined that he would not just hear of him, but that he would see him for himself. If you are determined to see Jesus, and not just determined to come into the house and hear about him, if you're determined to meet Jesus, you will meet Jesus. And in meeting Jesus, there will be an encounter that you will never Never forget. Now, the second hindrance there was that Zacchaeus was of short stature. There's also always going to be inner or personal hindrances. We're all going to have things that will hold us back, even when the outside voices are silent. We have those inside voices. God knows what you did last night. Come on. God knows, God knows that you're not strong enough. He might, you might feel like he's calling you, but that could not be God because God knows that you're a failure and you'll fall and you'll, you'll bring shame to him. You've heard these things if you've done anything for the Lord because I've heard them too. I know what it's like. We all struggle with who we are and what our abilities are and what we're capable or think we're capable of doing. And the devil is the accuser of the brethren and he'll put some things in your mind and he'll let you run with them and you'll run with them and make them much bigger than they should be. But I want us to understand we fail 
base things within our own self, whether it's our stature of being tall or short, whether it's our size, whether being heavy or thin, whether it's our, our ability to retain knowledge. I can't remember where that scripture's at. I can remember what it says, but I can't remember where it's at. Or if it's something that, that you have done in your own past that maybe nobody else knows about but God. I can tell you that your own limitations are simply that. They're your limitations because your God is bigger than your past. Your God is bigger than your ability. Your God is bigger than you. Get that? Zacchaeus was short. God is bigger. He's bigger than that. There's always going to be external and internal hindrances. But Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, was determined. He was determined. He ran ahead and he climbed up into a tree to see Jesus. His desire to see Jesus may have been out of curiosity because it says he sought to see who Jesus was. If, if we were all that determined. See, I can tell you who Jesus is to me. I can tell you he's my savior. I can tell you he's my healer. And I can even get excited about it while I'm doing it. I can tell you that He is the Savior of the whole world. I can tell you that He is able to heal. I can tell you that he is, he is able to bring peace to your situation. I can tell you that He drives out fear. I can tell you all these different things. And, and you can hear my story. And you can even believe that He has done those things for me. But not really grab hold of the idea that He loves you just as much. And that He'll do the same thing for you. We have to see Jesus for ourselves. I have to have relationship with him for myself. I, I, I think it was R.W. Schambach. He said, he said but yeah, it was him, uh, if I get the saying right. He said, just because a cat has kittens in an oven, it does not make them biscuits. And we have to realize that just because we were raised up in the house of the Lord, if we haven't trusted and believed on Jesus for our own selves, if we haven't seen Him for who He is, it doesn't matter what your parents taught you. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't matter what the preacher has said. It is, an, it is a personal relationship that God requires and desires with you. And you have to find Him for yourself. He's seeking you. I believe that Jesus went where he went looking for these encounters, expecting these encounters. So he went there in a way of thinking. He went to Jericho to meet up with Zacchaeus. With Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus also went looking for him. We need to determine in our hearts that I am going to see Jesus for who he is. I'm going to know him. I'm going to take him to my home. Just like Zacchaeus did. Jesus, this says that he, he went ahead and he climbed up in a tree because Jesus was going to pass by that way. I believe this gives us uh, an amazing insight really that Zacchaeus had, had some, some spiritual vision. 
he, he had some wisdom. He could see the path that Jesus was taking and he, he determined where that would put him and he ran ahead and got up in a tree on that route knowing that Jesus would come right by him. How many times, I, I'm, I'm being very honest right here, how many times I wish that I had had the spiritual vision to run ahead and to be waiting when Jesus showed up. How many times have we as Christians, the, the, the body of Christ, how many times have we just followed along at the back of the crowd and missed what God was doing somewhere up front because we didn't have enough spiritual vision to run ahead and to be where he was moving. I want us to understand, and I'm not talking about jumping from church to church. I'm not talking about being in the altar at just the right time at the altar call. I'm talking when the Spirit of God begins to move that we pay attention to what his Spirit is saying and we run to meet him there. If it's in the altar, that's fine. If it's in the street, that's fine if it's in the balcony that's fine but we run spiritually to meet with God and when we find him there we will have an encounter he knew that Jesus was going to pass that way he had foresight to predict the direction I pray all the time for more wisdom I want more foresight more more wisdom to know where God is leading me, where he's taking me, where he's taking us as a church, where he's taking my family spiritually. And if we are opening our eyes and paying attention to the Spirit, he that's led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. His Spirit is leading us. His Spirit is guiding us. But we have to have eyes wide open. We have to have ears wide open. So he saw what was happening and he ran on ahead and he waited there for the Lord. Sometimes what that looks like in our situation is finding a place to pray. Maybe it's at the altar. Maybe it's in your, your prayer closet at home. Maybe it's in, the, in your car going down the highway. But we just find a place and we just camp out, so to speak, in prayer. We just say, Lord, I've prayed about this so many times, but I'm not giving up. I believe that your word is true and whatever it says I can have, I can have. And I'm just going to keep believing because God, you've already specified in your word that this was available to me. Lord, you said that if I would train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And so I'm just going to keep on holding on to that promise. I'm going to keep on praying for my children. They may look like they're a long way away from God, but Lord, I trust what your word says. And I'm believing and I'm expecting, God, that you are going to work things out for my good because I love you and for their good because I have trained them in the way you told me to. Run ahead in prayer and just be waiting there for him because he's going to pass that way. Amen? So Jesus saw him. As Jesus approached, he saw this short, very much unliked tax collector up in a tree. He saw him and he called him by name. I want you to notice that. Nobody says, that's Zacchaeus. Nobody says, Jesus didn't say, who is that man in that tree? He just calls him by name. God doesn't care what your past has been. He doesn't care what the world thinks about you right now. He cares about you. 
He is aware of your name. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows the situation you're in. He knows if you're far from him. He knows if you're a notorious thief or if you have been a good person all your life. He knows that even if you have been a good person, that none are good but God. And he knows you're not capable of being good enough. But he is ready and he is willing to have time with you in your home. And when I say that, I want us to consider what is happening here. He sees Zacchaeus and he tells him to come down in haste or in a hurry because today I must stay at your house. I must abide at your house. So Jesus met Zacchaeus' desire to see him with far more than he expected. Jesus knew his name. Jesus didn't just allow him to see him, but he introduced himself to him. He got to know Jesus. He, he didn't just tell him to come down and, and, and then send him on his way. He, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Amen? Hallelujah. Can you imagine what this must have been like in the natural? Can you imagine? Here you are, nobody likes you. They, they probably don't even call you by name. They probably call you that scoundrel or the tax collector or, or something else. But Jesus comes down by that way and he sees him in the tree and he calls him to come down. And not only does he know his name, but he said, hurry down here because I have to go to your house today. Jesus invites himself to the house of Zacchaeus. And if we, if we consider this, I want, us to, I want us to realize that this might be a natural story that really happened, but there is spiritual significance to this as well. Jesus wants to spend time with you. He wants to be in your home, in your life, in your family. He wants to be involved in every area of your life. And if you will go after him, if you will desire him, if you will look for him, you will find him and there will be an encounter, as I said before, that you will never forget. He made haste and he came down. And he received Jesus joyfully. I want you to notice that he received him joyfully. This again is a personal, personal thing. Jesus didn't have his disciples say, uh, to, to run to him and say, Zacchaeus, what's your name? Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, the master, Jesus, said he saw you up there. Jesus called for him by name and had him come down, and he met him personally. As Christians, we should know, we should know because we already claim to and we should be having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes those who don't know him personally don't understand the personal nature of our relationship with God. It's not just a religion. Christianity is a relationship, and sometimes we don't, they don't understand that. But as Christians, we should understand that. As Christians, we should understand that everything, because of the relationship that I have with God through Jesus Christ, everything that I encounter is personal to, to God. If I go through something, it's personal to Him. If I'm struggling, it's personal to Him. If I'm having a good day, it's personal to Him. I want us to understand that everything that you face, everything Everything that you go through matters to God. He knows you. He cares for you. Knows you by name. 
when, when he came down and Zacchaeus received him joyfully, those who stood around began to talk bad about him. They said, he's talk bad about Jesus. He said, he's gone home with a man who is a sinner. God is not intimidated by your bad reputation. Come on. I want us to consider that just for a minute. God is not, cons he's not concerned with your bad reputation. Most of you here probably have a good reputation. But I want us to understand, it doesn't matter what you were before you knew Jesus. And if you're watching here on Facebook or on the website right now or on YouTube, if you're watching and you see that there's so much stacked against you, there's so many things that are hindering you, might be this or it might be that, it might be internal, it might be external, whatever it is, I want you to understand that Jesus is not concerned with your bad reputation. Jesus is not concerned with those things that held you as that person because he is willing to wash you clean and go to your house today. Amen. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Whosoever will open unto me, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. This is what happened here. Jesus went home with him to to have time with him, to spend time with him, to, to have fellowship with him. He, he received Jesus joyfully. They said, he's going to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. That didn't bother Jesus. And I don't believe it bothered Zacchaeus too much because Zacchaeus says, Lord, look, Lord, if I... Give half of my goods to the poor. I'm sorry, not if. He says, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. The, the reason he restores fourfold is because according to the law, if you have stolen, if you've been a thief, you had to return it fourfold. So he was he was showing that he was, he was submitting to the law of Moses, but he also went beyond that by giving half of all that he had to the poor. He, he was saying, my money don't mean anything to me anymore. I have encountered God with us, Emmanuel. I have encountered Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord, our salvation. I have encountered something that's worth more to me than gold. I want us to understand, these tax collectors were known for their greed. Here we see a man who the greed of gold and silver has been washed away. And now because of his encounter with Jesus Christ, something else has come into the place, has come into the pla this place. Now he is, he, is, he is desirous for more of God. Now he's willing to sell everything that he has if necessary now he's willing to give half of all that he has to the poor now he's willing to pay back four times what he has taken because his greed is no longer for money it's a desire for more of God this is what happens when you have an encounter with Jesus Christ and I want us to consider just a minute is, is our determination to see Jesus is it is it anywhere near what Zacchaeus' determination was? Are we determined to behold him in the beauty of his holiness? Are we determined to, to fellowship with him in his suffering? 
as Paul said? Are we determined to see Jesus for who he is and to know him personally? Are we determined as his body, as the church, to, to look over the shame of those who have had a, a poor past. Are we, are we okay? Are we determined that even if we, because we come from South Knoxville, have a bad reputation because South Knoxville is the scruffiest of the scruffy city, are we willing, are we willing to look over that and say, we don't care what the world thinks. Jesus Christ has come here, and I'm telling you, I'm going to lift his name. Are we willing? Are we determined? I can say for myself, I am. I am determined to see him. I'm determined to see him in my life. I'm determined to see him in my family. I'm determined to see him in this church. I'm determined to see God move in a mighty way in this region. Amen. Are we determined? Because if we are determined like Zacchaeus, it will change us forever. It will change us forever. Let me give you just a couple more scriptures. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 4. I won't read it all, but it says, Let us run this race that is set before us with endurance. Run with endurance or continue on. Be determined. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 through 26, the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth to run that they may obtain. It says, therefore I run thus or this way, not with uncertainty. In other words, I run with a goal in mind. I run with certainty of where I'm going. I run with certainty. And... Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. I'm not going to read all that either, but he says, I do, do, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal or the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. In other words, it says, it clarifies it in verse 12. I press on. It might be a press. It might be a difficulty. It might be, it might be not so easy because there will be outside hindrances and inside hindrances. But I am determined to press on. How many of you this morning would say, I am determined? Nobody? Everybody. I am determined. I am determined. I'm not going to let what's going on in the world stop me. I'm not going to let whoever's in the White House stop me. I'm not going to let whatever disease is going around stop me. I'm going to continue on for Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my faith in Him. I'm going to look up. I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to Him, the author and the finisher of my faith. I can't make it by myself, but He began this work in me and He will finish it. I'm going to continue and I am determined that I will make it with His help. With His help. Come on now. Come on. Let's give God praise. I'm determined. I'm determined.
I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I've asked Johnny to sing a song called Inside Out. And our worship team can come. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to get in a hurry this morning. I shortened this a little bit. I was preaching a lot of days till 1230. It's 10 till 12, so not even 10 till 12 yet. We're going we're gonna to have, in just a few moments, we're going to welcome some returning members and some new members into the congregation. Thank God. I'm not sure how many are here today. Out of that group, we have about, um, about 13 that were signed up for today, if they, if they all are all here. Um, and we've got uh, four to six more coming after the first of the year, it looks like. So I'm praising God for that. Amen. And, and uh, I, I, want to, I want us to consider today what, what is it that on the inside of me is trying to, trying to keep me from trusting on, going on, being what he's called me to be? Is it fear? Is it hardship? Is it fatigue? If it's fatigue, there's no better place to restore your health, your, your strength than at the feet of Jesus. If it's fear, that spirit's not from God. Perfect love casts out all fear. And He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So if it's something inside that you're struggling with, I can tell you, just find your place at the feet of Jesus. You'll conquer it there. If it's something on the outside, somebody's speaking words over you, that I want you to just ignore what they are saying and listen to what the Father is saying about you. He calls you His beloved. The book of John over and over and over calls us the beloved. You are beloved by God. He, he doesn't save us so that we can continue on in our sin, but He saves us and He redeems us that He can draw us out of that and make us a vessel that He can show His love through to others so that we might be witnesses for Him. But God is not looking to hold your past against you. If He was, Jesus would not have come. God is not looking to hold your past against you or your sin against you. He is looking to free you and deliver you. And you might be in a Jericho. might be where you live. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is victory in Jesus. And He, is, he has entered your Jericho and He will pass on through it. He's victorious. Trust Him. Meet with Him. See where he's headed in your life. Go ahead and meet there and be ready, be ready for, be waiting for him. God wants to, he wants to take all those distractions and make them pale in comparison. Just like, like the, the sparkling gold that used to, that used to distract Zacchaeus. When he met Jesus, its glitter began to fade. God wants to do that in your life, whatever it is, whatever it is. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a church that's after your heart. People that are, that are pursuing you, looking to see where you're going and willing to follow and ready to run and meet you there. I thank you for that. I thank you, God, for 
the place that you have positioned us. I thank you for this city back in the 80s. It was it was named the Scruffy City because the the decision to have the World's Fair here. And God, that name stuck and kind of some people are proud of it and God, we don't have a problem with the name. But God, it was given because people were looking down their nose at Knoxville. I ask you to make this a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And God, what all has been spoken against Knoxville God, I pray and I declare in Jesus' name that the Spirit of God rising up from this house and from others would turn around anything that has been spoken and that a glorious, a glorious revival of your power and of your Spirit like has been seen in this house before would stir in us and would come again, Lord, and would change this region, bring light where there was darkness. Bring joy where there was sorrow. Bring peace where there was turmoil. Bring victory where there was defeat. And we ask you these things. In Jesus' name, God, help us to stay determined to chase after you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song. If you don't know it, I want you right now to just spend some time in worship. This song begins with a million times, a thousand times I've failed. Still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace. How fitting to know that when you've encountered God, when you have encountered Him, you've encountered one that not only is willing to forget about your past, but he's willing to concentrate on your future and make you brand new. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Go ahead, Johnny. Sing this. Let's worship. A thousand times I've failed. Still your 